Well, good morning, everybody. I want to, uh, once again this morning, before we turn to God's Word, just take a few moments and uh, share some church family things together. I know I've done this the past two Sundays, and I promise you that I will not keep doing this every Sunday, but I do want to take a moment and just give an opportunity for us to express some gratitude. I mentioned last week that I was purposefully holding this opportunity for us to say thank you to one person in particular. Um, Every one of the pastors has been working hard, I think working very creatively, but there is one guy who has served us in our regathering in a very particular way, and that is Pastor Brett Wendell. Um, So this is our third week regathering, but for several weeks leading up to that point, Brett has been leading a small team, um, thinking about all of the logistics, all of the details, all of the communication that has gone into our regathering. And as a part of that, you might remember Brett did a video called Sunday Morning Walkthrough. In fact, I think we've got a... There he is. Um, I have heard so many positive comments about this video and how helpful it was as we anticipated coming back together. Um, That video hasn't gone viral yet, but it's like right on the edge. Um, In fact, I had somebody say to me that they think that Brett should be nominated for an Emmy um, for this. Now, Brett, um, where are you, man? There you are. Um, Before you get too big of a head about this, Let me just show you what having truly adoring fans looks like. (laughs) This is one-year-old Sadie Stokowski watching a Sunday morning video from back in March. So, Brett, unless you can captivate the younger generation like that, I don't think you should think about changing careers just yet. But in all seriousness, um, Brett, we want to say thank you uh, for the way that you have served our church so helpfully over these weeks. Really well done. Thank you. When you see him, thank him. Um, In fact, just this past week, Brett and I had a conversation in which we tried to outline the steps back to normal. Um, We outlined, I think it was about 10 steps. We're taking one of those next week. Um, You heard Josh mention this. We're going to return to the 8.30 start time for our first service. I think 8 o'clock has been a little challenging for some folks. And so we want to do everything we can to serve as many people as we can. So next week, 8.30, and the second service will be at 10 o'clock, not 9.45. So please put a mental note there. We just want to continue to take steps one by one. Um, We've got some creative ideas cooking even this past week to help us take some steps sooner. So again, we want to do everything we can to help the entire church body as we move forward. Uh, Now, one other brief thing. Um, You'll see in your bulletins. In fact, you might want to just take your bulletins and look over on the back page. There's a giving update there every week. Those numbers that you see there today represent the end of the budget year. Today marks the beginning of a new budget year. So you will see from those numbers there that we ended the year 
a little more than $7,000 over our budgeted income. Um, to have that in the midst of the disruption of the last four months is just amazing. And it speaks volumes about your faithfulness. Um, it always feels a little funny for me to say this to you, but thank you for your commitment to the ministry and mission and the fellowship of this church body. Of course, ultimately, we all say thank you to God um, for His faithful provision for us. I just find myself so very grateful for the way He's cared for us during these very interesting days. All right, would you please take your Bibles now and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. And children, once again, I trust that you received one of these sheets. You should have a sheet like this with a picture of scales on it. Um, I hope you have that. I hope you put that to really good use as I'm talking for the next half hour or so. But the rest of us, let's find the book of Proverbs, chapter 11. And we are going to look at verse 1 today. Just one verse. Remember last week we began this series in Proverbs which we've entitled Words to Live By. And last week we laid a foundation from chapter 1 seeing God's offer of, of wisdom, of instruction, of insight, of understanding with, with all of the benefits that come with those things. Living in the goodness of God's ways, this amazing gift of clear moral instruction that starts with, remember this, it starts with us acknowledging God, that He is God, we're not, that He actually does know best how we should live, how life will go well for us. And now, having laid that foundation, now we stand on that. For the next 10 weeks, we're going to look at selected Proverbs, Proverbs of clear moral instruction. I got an email uh, this past Monday from a couple wondering if I would consider taking requests for which Proverbs to cover. And I won't share with you which ones they suggested, but there was something in there about a constant dripping on a rainy day. I think they were just joking. I better be careful here. I can see where this might lead us. Um, but for today, let me just focus our attention now on Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. A false Balance is a, an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Let's pray together and ask for God's help. Father, once again, we want to humble ourselves before you. God, help us as we hear your word this morning if there are moments of our own pride rising up or something in us resisting your word, God, I pray, grant us the grace to recognize that and to humble ourselves. 
God, I pray that you would help us to see not just what you are saying here, but why, why you say this and why it matters and why we should pursue this with all our hearts. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me begin this morning with a story, a parable for everyone, young and old. Once upon a time, a long time ago, there was a man named Abraham Ben-Oni. Abraham Ben-Oni was a butcher. And he lived and he ran his butcher shop just outside the little village of Emmaus, right along the road leading to the city of Jerusalem. He was a butcher just like his father was and his father's father before him. And his father had taught him the trade from the time he was 15 years old. And when his father grew too old to handle the business, he passed on his tools, his knives, his butcher blocks, his scales, and his weights to Abraham to carry on the family business. So Abraham knew how to evaluate the livestock that came in. Mostly sheep, once in a while a young ox. He knew how to cut meat, and he knew how to present those cuts to buyers, and he knew it was that that made his business profitable. So he'd cut and present and then weigh the cuts for his customers, placing the meat on one side of the scale and his weights on the other to get an accurate price. And so business went. But then there came a series of unfortunate events. The main axle on his wagon broke on his way back from a trip to the city, and in the process, his donkey slipped and badly gashed her leg. The very next day, a crack appeared in the blade of his best meat cleaver, and his wife told him when he got home that she was in need of a new shawl for the coming festival days. Now, none of those things were catastrophic in themselves, but things add up, you know. And money was already tight with six mouths to feed and six growing bodies to clothe to say nothing about trying to put a little money away for his daughter's future marriages. So with all of these things weighing on his mind, that evening while lying in bed, a terrible thought came into Abraham's head. What if he just adjusted his scales a little bit? Or maybe he could chisel out the bottom of his stone weights and fill in the hole with clay. It really wouldn't affect anybody that much. And by the end of the day, it would mean a few more shekels. And that could add up over weeks and months. I mean, he knew other merchants did this kind of thing, especially in the city of Jerusalem. And he also knew, of course, that it was wrong. Yet he wondered... And he wrestled, and with those thoughts in his head, he fell asleep, and in his sleep, he dreamed a dream. He dreamt that he was walking along a barren road, and in front of him, in the distance, standing like a lone dead tree, there stood an enormous pair of scales. 
He didn't understand how such a thing could be. And as he walked closer to get a better look, he suddenly found himself being lifted up by the back of his collar. Some great hand was lifting him up and setting him on one side of the scale. And on the other side of the scale, another hand sprinkled the smallest little bit of dust. And much to Abraham's surprise, the scale tipped and up he went. That little bit of dust on the other side weighed more than he did. And then he heard a voice, a great thundering voice calling out his name. Abraham Ben-Oni, you have been weighed in the scales and found wanting. And with that, Abraham woke with a start, his heart thumping in his chest. How could he possibly have ever thought to do what he had considered. He knew what God's law said. He knew what God's prophets had spoken. Listen, the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, you shall do no wrong in judgment. In measurement of weights or capacity, you shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy chapter 25, you shall not have in your bag differing weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a full and just weight. You shall have a full and just measure that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The prophet Ezekiel chapter 45, thus says the Lord God, enough you princes of Israel, put away violence and destruction and practice justice and righteousness. Stop your expropriations from my people, declares the Lord God. You shall have just balances, a just ephah and a just bath. The prophet Amos, chapter 8, hear this, you who trample the needy to do away with the humble of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath that we may open the wheat market to make the bushel smaller and the shekel bigger and to cheat with dishonest scales so as to buy the helpless for money and the needy for a pair of sandals that we may sell the refuse of the wheat. The prophet Micah, chapter 6, is there yet a man in the wicked house along with the treasures of wickedness and a short measure that is cursed? Can I, the Lord God, justify wicked scales and a bag of deceptive weights? For the rich men of the city are full of violence. Her residents speak lies and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. The law of God and the prophets of God speak ever so clearly. And all of that is captured here in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. By the way, this is one of those Proverbs that gets repeated with little variations throughout the book. Flip over with me just for a moment to chapter 16. I want to show you a few things here. Chapter 16, verse 11. Solomon says, A just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are His work. Look over at chapter 20, 
verse 10. Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. And listen, in that very same chapter to verse 23, unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord and false scales are not good. Apparently, this was a very real issue and it's not as if the tendency in the human heart has changed, right? Maybe the tools are different, but the moral instruction of these Proverbs is just as relevant today as it was back then because the temptations are just as present today as they were back then. So let's look very closely this morning at this word from God, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. It seems like such strong language, doesn't it? Abomination. It seems like that word should be reserved for, you know, things like sorcery or things like sacrificing to false gods. This word, abomination, it gets used throughout the book of Proverbs a few times, and it means exactly what it sounds like. It means God abhors something. He is so strongly opposed to it. Look over at chapter 15, verse 8. Proverbs 15, verse 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Well, (laughs) there it seems right, right? But now I want you to look at chapter 12, verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who act faithfully are his delight. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Why? And look back at chapter 3, verse 32. Chapter 3, verse 32, Solomon says, For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord. Why? Why this strong language? Why is a false balance an abomination to the Lord. It seems like such a a little thing, I mean, compared to sacrificing to false gods. And on the other hand, why is a just weight a delight? Did you notice this back in that, that proverb that I mentioned, chapter 12, verse 22? Did you notice this parallel? Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. That word delight doesn't just mean something that God approves of. No, it, it, it's something that he has very strong attraction to. It's something he wants to see happen. He, he delights in it. Do you remember what God said about his son, Jesus? This is my beloved son in whom is all my delight. I mean, that's the kind of feeling that's being talked about here. And we ask the question, why? Why this strength of feeling? Why this strength of language from God about these things that seem so ordinary and so small? Well, let's make sure that we get the picture here. I think we all have a basic sense of how scales work. Scales are designed, think about this, scales are designed to tell the truth about something. This is designed to tell the truth about this. The purpose of the balance is to determine that the contents of the two sides are equal in value. So in past times, 
the value of the amount of something like meat or grain or whatever was being sold was determined by measuring it somehow, weighing it on a scale. Now, obviously, neither the buyer nor the seller wants to be cheated. So there would be these, these weights that you would use, often stones that were tested. They met an exact standard. There, there were established standards of measure, standards of weight, standards of capacity, standards of length. And so you'd have a shekel or a bath or an ephah or an omer or a cubit so that people could have confidence in honestly dealing with one another. So every shopkeeper would have their ephah. An ephah was like a bushel. Every shopkeeper would have their weights. But sometimes, dishonest shopkeepers would have two bushels. One a little bigger, one a little smaller. So if a foreigner came into the shop, or if somebody who was kind of naive came into the shop, they could cheat them a little bit. Sometimes a dishonest shopkeeper would, would chisel out the bottom of a stone weight and fill it in with lighter material, lighter substance. Do you see what this is? This actually breaks two of the Ten Commandments. It's lying and it's stealing. It's deceit and it's theft. Do you see why this dishonesty is an abomination to God? And why honesty and justice and right dealing is his delight. It's, be, it's his delight. It, it's because we as people were made to reflect God's image, his character. And especially as his people, we are to reflect him. And God is a God of absolute truth. Absolute integrity, absolute trustworthiness. Every word of God is true. He is faithful and true. So if we, as his representatives, are dishonest, we are marring the image of God. Listen, I want you to hear the connection that gets made in some of those verses that I, I read to you earlier. This is Leviticus chapter 19. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measurement of weight or capacity, you shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin, because I am the Lord your God. You hear it? Look back at that parallel proverb I showed you a moment ago, chapter 16, Proverbs 16, verse 11. A just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. Do you hear this? God is behind this. God is represented by it or misrepresented by it. The humblest little tool, just, just a stone weight, speaks either rightly about God or wrongly about God. And since our God is always true, since our God is truth himself, it should be no surprise that one of God's utmost concerns is with the truthfulness of our interactions with others. So we need to, to be careful not to think that God is concerned only with, you know, church matters. 
or that his instructions only address religious stuff. No, God's word addresses all of life, and God calls us to rightly reflect him in everything that we do. So let's bring this to a point. Let's bring this to a very practical application in our lives. I mean, clearly God is calling us to honesty in all of our business interactions, whether we're buying or selling, whether it's big or small, whether it's something very concrete like meat or something kind of less concrete like some service you're providing for a corporate business. So if you're at Potbelly and you order a sandwich with mushrooms added, and when you get to the cash register and the person asks you what you get, and you realize that she doesn't know that mushrooms got added because it's so busy in Potbelly, and you realize you could easily not tell her and not have to pay that extra, and you tell her, oh, I had mushrooms added, God is so pleased with that because he delights in your honesty. He delights in it. Or when you're doing your taxes and you find out that you owe more than you thought you were going to, and you are tempted in that moment to find ways to shave somehow, but instead you look it in the face and you pay what you owe, God is so pleased with that. He delights in that. Listen, we are not to cheat merchants or government out of their due by any fraud or theft or any immoral means. We are to be scrupulously careful with the truth, even in small matters like not accepting more change from the cashier than you're owed. And I believe the application here extends beyond just our business dealings. The basic principle, I mean, we know this almost intuitively when we read this proverb, right? The, the basic principle here is that you are good for your word. What you present as truth is really true, and you do this because you are so aware of who God is, and you want to please Him. Listen, you want to be trustworthy. Because God is trustworthy, and you want to live to please Him. You want to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. It's all about integrity, about matching between who you are and what you do, motivated by your knowledge of who God is and what He's like. You know, Mark Twain once said, the secret of success is integrity. Once you can fake that, you've got it made. Now, clearly, that's not what we're after. What we're after is real integrity, the kind of integrity that God sees when he looks at us. Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. Proverbs 16, 2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Oh, how easy it is for us to justify everything we do in our own eyes, but God sees 
and God weighs. And he says, a false balance is an abomination to me. But just weight is my delight. Friends, those are words to live by. God is saying to us, this is how I want you as my people to live your life. Now, let's remember, and with this I close, let's remember this is God's grace to us. Proverbs 11.1 is God's grace to us. It is the good way. It is the way of life. These are words to live by. Remember this picture that I shared with you last week, the picture of Jesus holding out to us the book of Proverbs with gracious hands. It's a gift. Let's receive it, both for God's glory and for our own good. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you once again for speaking so clearly to us. And we hear both the the edge of this proverb, but we also know the goodness and the grace of this proverb. So God, we pray, help us to see the goodness of your ways. Help us to see that this, in fact, is a life well-lived, Yes, for your glory, but also for the good of us and for those around us. And so, God, I pray we would pursue this with all our hearts. And, Father, if there are places where we need to change how we're interacting in our buying, in our selling, in our business, in our interacting with others, God, if there are things that need to change, I pray that you would give us the grace to see that and to pursue change where it needs to change. And Father, if there are things that need to be made right, God, help us to make them right. Lord, I pray especially as we go forward that we would be those who are pleasing to you out of a deep desire of our hearts to reflect the truthfulness and trustworthiness and integrity of our God. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.